Hello, and welcome to Victory Briefings, where we use the Word of God for a victorious life. I'm Dwight Hammond, and I'm glad you're listening today. Be blessed by the Holy Spirit as He gives you new revelation knowledge through this Victory Briefing. Paul's Letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The letter to the Ephesians is so loaded with language of our faith, from basic terminology of our becoming a Christian, to deep phrases and thoughts of our supernatural experience in the body of Christ. The function of the church is a complex spiritual power in the earth that must be understood. And today, we take another sip of water from Paul's fire hose as he discloses more of the mystery of the church. This chapter closes the first half of Ephesians, where Paul describes our wealth in Christ. Paul is about to move into the practical section, our walk with Christ. But first he pauses to pray. He begins his prayer in verse 1, but does not continue until he gets to verse 14. Consequently, verses 2 through 13 form a long parenthetical statement. These verses are important because they explain Paul's special ministry to the church body and to the Gentiles. The main character in chapter 3 is the Holy Spirit. God made the plan of redemption in chapter 1. Jesus executed the plan according to chapter 2. And now the Holy Spirit reveals it in chapter 3. This chapter will also define part of the plan that was reserved for our day. The church age. God had a plan hidden in his heart that was not revealed until the time of the church, and that makes this the most exciting time to be alive. The Father loves to play hide and seek. He wants us to search out things. We do not know anything completely. There is always a part we don't understand, and he made us curious. He made us to automatically wonder where we came from, and where we are going. It was the Father's design for his children to search him out. He wants us to seek after him. We are ever confronted with mystery. It is mystery which makes life fascinating and exciting. It is a mystery that God wants us to be kings. A wise man once said, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. That was Solomon in Proverbs 25, verse 2. God made us all want to be kings and to reign, and the glory of kings is to discover what he has hidden for us. The Apostle Paul describes the greatest mystery of life to the Ephesians in these words. Ephesians 3, 1-6 For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed You have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to the apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body 
and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. There, in brief, is the full statement of the greatest secret ever presented to the minds of men. It is not new to us. We've been studying and discovering aspects of it all along, even in this letter. Paul begins this part of Ephesians by talking about his prison ministry. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. It's interesting. For this reason refers to the end of chapter 2, where Paul is talking about building up the church and the temple of God. Paul calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Even though he is in a Roman jail, Paul knows the Lord can still use him to compose this letter. Paul may be chained, but the word of God lives and abides forever. 1 Peter 1.23 He says, For you Gentiles, when Paul wrote this letter, he was locked up because of a riot in Jerusalem. You can read about that in Acts 21, verse 27 through 22, verse 22. The riot occurred when uh, Jews accused Paul of taking Trophimus, an Ephesian convert, into the temple. The Jews knew him to be a Gentile and were outraged because Paul took this Gentile to their side of the middle wall of separation. Ephesians 2.14 tells us about this wall. Paul was in a serious situation. The Jews would have killed him if it wasn't for the centurions and soldiers arresting him. We don't know if he was guilty or just accused of defiling the temple by taking unclean Gentiles into the holy place. Take a look at Acts 21, verse 27 through 29 here. But there was this wall in the Jewish temple separating the court of the Gentiles from the rest of the temple areas. Archaeologists have even discovered the inscription from Herod's temple that reads something like this, No foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his certain death. This was the wall of separation that Jesus destroyed by his blood on the cross in order for the Jews and the Gentiles to be reconciled. When he died, the veil of the temple was literally torn in two, and this wall was figuratively torn down. This removed the barrier which had separated Jews and Gentiles for centuries. Now there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon his name. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, verses 12 and 13. As believers, neither Jew nor Gentile is under the law, but under grace, as a new man in Christ. The Apostle Paul was fulfilling his call to ministry. Jesus had called him to be an apostle by sending Ananias. He said, go to Paul and pray. And Ananias says, hi, you don't know this character. He's already got letters in his pocket to arrest me. But Jesus said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. You can see this in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. That is why Paul is a prisoner of Christ. As Paul tells us why he is in jail, he goes into what Bible scholars call the famous parenthetical statement. These detours happen to me all the time. I call them rabbit trails. The Holy Spirit interrupted Paul 
and blessed him with the rabbit trail in order to reveal the mystery of the church, which is in itself a parenthetical time frame in prophecy that no one could see coming. Paul returns to his train of thought with another for this reason at verse 14. But first, let's look at this important diversion from his prayer. Paul's stewardship is talked about in verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he has made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. Now this starts out with the word if. If is a big word, but here it should say, surely you have heard, or assuming that you have heard. Dispensation is even more interesting word. It means stewardship. It's translated stewardship in a New American Standard Bible. It means the administration of a household or an estate. Here it is a spiritual dispensation, management or economy of God's grace. Paul was commissioned by God to share the grace he had received since the ministers of the gospel are dispensers or stewards of the mystery of God. 1 Corinthians 4.1 The Bible is divided into seven dispensations, the complete number of God. God is logical and organized despite the way many believers act and what they claim God told them. The Old Testament period covers five dispensations. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that God at sundry times or various times and in divers or different manners spake in times past. Times past would be before Christ, B.C., unto the fathers, the Jews, and by the prophets. These time periods are five dispensations from Adam to the cross of Jesus. The word for dispensation in the Greek is depicting a landlord or one who watches over a house. It is better defined as administration. In our country, we have administrations. When a new president is elected, he comes in with a new administration and usually dismisses many of the previous administration. God works in similar ways from one administration to another. From dispensation to dispensation, many things change, yet many things remain the same. How God speaks to man changes with each dispensation, but how man approaches God never changes. God may approach man directly by walking and talking with him in the Garden of Eden, or he may teach him through angels like he did with Daniel and Ezekiel. Yet during each time period, man has always approached God through faith. Hebrews 11 is a roster of God's Hall of Fame. Faith is the common thread running through each of the people listed, yet they cover every dispensation of the Old Testament. From Abel until Judges and Prophets, God said that without faith it is impossible to please him, in Hebrews 11.6. Each of the five dispensations of the Old Testament began with God's grace and ends with man's failure. The first dispensation began with the creation of Adam and Eve. It is called innocence and lasted until the fall. The second dispensation is called conscience, which ended with the flood in Noah's time. The third dispensation is human government, which ended with the building of the Tower of Babel. 
The fourth dispensation began with Abraham and it is called promise. This period lasted until the Egyptian captivity when God raised up a deliverer for Israel named Moses. This marked the beginning of the final dispensation of the Old Testament called the law. We know that the law was given until the time of the crucifixion of Jesus. After the cross, the door was opened for a new dispensation to be ushered in, which Paul calls the dispensation of the grace of God. This dispensation, which we call the church age, began on the day of Pentecost and will end at the resurrection of the dead in Christ, slash rapture of the church. During our dispensation, God approaches man in a unique way, but the way man approaches God is still the same as when Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, and any of the prophets approached him by faith. The final dispensation will be the millennial reign of Jesus. Paul also points out in this verse that the revelation or dispensation of the grace of God was given to him to give to us. As it says in verse 3, briefly written already, it refers back to Ephesians 1.10 and chapter 2, verses, verse 11 and 22. And now, Ephesians 3, verse 4, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now let's look at the word mystery. This word comes from a Greek word, mysterion, and refers to the teachings of ancient fraternities known only to its members. In the ancient world, there were different fraternities, one of which was, is found in Matthew 2. It's called the Magi, or wise men. This fraternal society of men traveled in regions of Chaldea and Mesopotamia. Although their existence is well documented, their teachings and beliefs are not. They were a closed, secret organization whose creeds were called mysteries. To know and understand the teaching, one had to become a member of the fraternity. Fraternities are still around today, and the concept is the same. To know the teachings and beliefs of organizations like the Masons or Oddfellows, one has to become a member. Now, I'm not endorsing these organizations for you to join, but only using them for examples, many of those type of organizations have a satanic origin. Their roots of operation go back to the ancient secret societies. However, the word mystery is used repeatedly through the New Testament. Jesus first used it with the disciples in Matthew 13:11 and Mark 4:10 and 11, the kingdom parables where Jesus was introducing the church age to one, explained the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What is the significance of the word in the New Testament? The prophets and saints of the Old Testament did not know of the age to come. Their concept of dispensations was that after Messiah came, the millennium would be the next event on God's calendar. This is why the disciples continually thought the kingdom was coming. Think of prophecy as looking at a mountain range. You see the foothills in the foreground and majestic mountains in the distance totally unaware of a shorter range in between. The reality of a mid-range of mountains has not been foretold and is a mystery to be revealed only to those who travel through that prophecy. The church was a mystery. 
It was unknown to those on the outside looking in, but it is known by the members and the great fraternity known as the church. To know the teaching of the fraternity, you have to become a member. Praise God, the profession of faith is the password for membership. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Remember when you find the word mystery in the New Testament, it is not something that is dark, puzzling, mystical, or spooky. The Greek word mysterion does not mean something that is unknown to us. It always refers to something that was once unknown, but now has been revealed to us. Paul spells this out in the next verse. Ephesians 3, 5, and 6 says, Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. We see that in other ages it was not known, but it is now revealed. God has given us the revelation by the Holy Spirit through the New Testament apostles and prophets. You see, Paul was the primary administrator, but he was not exclusive to this revelation knowledge. This spiritual insight included the fact that the Gentiles can become born again and enjoy the blessings of the covenant. It was not enough simply to win the Gentiles as converts and to install them into local assemblies. Paul taught them that they were fellow heirs of the covenant of Abraham, Galatians 3.29, members of the body of Christ, partakers of God's promises, equal with the Jews. This is possible through the gospel. The mystery was not that the Gentiles would be saved, that was evident in the Old Testament, but rather that believing Jews and Gentiles were joined together in the same body, the wall of separation was gone. I hope you are subscribed and will make it a part of your ministry to share this message with others. God bless you, my friend. This program and other materials are available at victorybriefings.net.